Welcome to Honest Retail, the weekly podcast that dishes out the truth about the latest news, trends, and blunders from the CPG, consumer, and retail industries. Now, here are your hosts, Cameron McCarthy, Taylor Foxman, and Carlton Fowler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Honest Retail. Uh, very excited to have a guest this week, our good friend, Nate Cooper over at Barrel Ventures. Nate, how are you doing this week? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. We've uh, we've all known Nate for for a bit. We've been trying to get him on. Uh, this has probably been long overdue. Um, but Nate, why don't you give a little background on yourself and, and kind of what you're doing over there at, uh, at Barrel? Yeah, so I grew up in the food industry. Uh, family's been in it for close to 100 years. Uh, and I tried to get out of it many times, and here I am. Uh, we launched Barrel about five years ago, and we invest, uh, what I say, from pre-farm to post-fork and everything in between. Uh, we think that our food ecosystem is massively broken, and there's a trillion-dollar-plus opportunity to fix it. And so we're focused on the companies that are helping to save the world, if you will. Very cool. Any uh, any portfolio companies you can kind of share just so we can get a gist of, of what you're investing in? Yeah, so on the brand side, uh, we're in Olipop, Partake Brewing, um, Helena, Clove, um, and a bunch of others. Gonanas. Um, on the packaging side, we are in a company called Great Wrap, which is making pallet wrap out of potato waste, uh, and a company called uh, Nut Jobs, which I love the name, uh, which is using nutshell waste to make bioplastics. Um, we just did a new deal on refrigeration called Therma, um, always looking at ingredients in ag tech, um, bunch of stuff upstream and downstream as well. Very cool. CJ, Taylor, how are you both doing this weekend after the, the holiday weekends? Oh, yeah, I'm doing great. I was in Santa Cruz all weekend for the second weekend in a row. Digging it. It's only an hour away. Very cool. Big fan of the Santa Cruz bo- uh, boardwalk. I, I, I used to go down there a lot as a kid. So big well, fan. You, of you grew up in California, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm convinced, like, like you know, the, the the shibboleth. Or did you grow up in California? Is, is the is the beach boardwalk jingle? Like, like if you, you know the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk in the warm California sun. Like everybody knows that if they're a millennial and they grew up in California. Yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, remember that. And the boardwalks here in Jersey are a little bit different than the Santa Cruz boardwalk, for sure. Um, Taylor, how about you? I don't mean to start bad-mouthing the Jersey boardwalk, uh, Taylor, first thing, but how are you doing? Ha, 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 ha. I'm good. Uh, I'm wet. It's gross here in Miami. Um, but I had a nice easter slash passover weekend in in the good old sojo is what we call it 609 ocean city atlantic city represent <laughs> Wait, taylor do you know what'd you say you know snooki okay all of you just to be clear here the jersey shore just for clarification purposes was like literally an exit right outside of Manhattan. I, not like I'm bragging where I'm from by any stretch, am exit 36, which is two hours plus away from Manhattan. So they call it the Jersey Shore, but they call it, they should have called it the North Jersey Shore because it's not South Jersey. Like most of those Not people. like again, yeah, not like again, it matters, but yes, correct. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. So that's like where DJ Polly D is from. There we go. Uh, 
So, so Nate, we usually go around and talk about a few brands that kind of caught our attention uh, from the previous week. Obviously, you probably get pitched uh, quite a few new items. Is there anything that uh, that kind of popped out for you? Um, anything that popped up? Why don't you guys start, and then I'll sort of see what uh, what pops into my brain. Oops. Um, so I I don't know if I brought them up before, but I've tr- I tried like a two weeks ago brekkie overnight oats, and I had only tried mush before, but the brekkie ones I tried for the first time, and they were awesome. I think I ate like twelve, like in a course, like in in like a one week span. Um, so I was really excited about that. The other one I haven't tried, but I'm trying to find it. Um, but I just found out that like Troy Aikman started a beer brand called Eight, which is like just Eight. a light, yeah. yeah, like a light yeah. lock. So I've been trying yeah. to look out for that because um, it's. Um, it I'll did... get you some. I'll get you some. I'll get you some juice. Okay. Yeah. I'll they just uh, they just joined the platform actually, and they've been crushing it. So I've been trying. I'm gonna try to find it near me, or just use the platform to to ask for it. But yeah, I've been. Uh, um, the I like the packaging. I thought like a light beer versus like a non-alc was a cool play there, uh, and it feels like um one of those products where they just like nailed the right um spokesperson and celebrity owner as well so excited to kind of check that out taylor how about you um i i i'm not i'm not sure i think that there's a company called tafter taffers um they created like a browned butter bourbon i feel like nate this may be up your alley i i haven't tried yet i have no i have no association with them it's through uh is this through not no it's it's uh oh oh god maybe i don't want to try it it was started by the bar rescue guy oh no 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 i don't know yeah john taffer i look i i don't like any of these things but i'll say just like with everything with screwball and just i don't know like people have a liking for these and if done right they're not bad i mean i'm not having it every day but so anyway these things kind of entice me i would need to try i feel like it's case by case for any of these things that like try to infuse like super sweet stuff into brown spirits but when done right and there's like a very small pool of brands that can do it i think it's delicious um and obviously there's a huge audience for it so i don't like i don't think this guy i'm not a huge fan of of him per se so i take back my high hopes but i may want to get a bottle just to try it i don't know i tried a king's county bourbon uh, which Taylor, you introduced me to a few weeks back uh, this weekend for the first time, and it was delicious. I love Kings County. I sat, that was a piece of business where Nate, I just sat in front of the distillery until they hired me. It was just a, like a flat out drink the Kool-Aid. I like the packaging. I love their product. I love the history of it. Um, and if you guys are ever in Brooklyn, it's in the Navy Yard. It's just a cool space. It's a super like I don't know, history rich distillery in New York, right? And that area, the Brooklyn Navy Yard is actually blowing up at the moment. There's a lot happening there in terms of companies and there's even a Wegmans. So if you want to have bourbon and then go to get sushi at Wegmans. I once had an hour long conversation with Steve Grass, who did Quaker City Mercantile. He did like Hendrix and- Yeah, like, yeah, totally. A, a hour long conversation only about the closures in Kings, Kings County Bourbon as it related to a, a different project called Lo-Fi. So, uh, Interesting. yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I'm, you know, I'd live a pretty boring life. Hour long conversation on screw top closures is, um, is a <laughs> difficult look. CJ, was there <laughs> any brand that, uh, that you saw CJ? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about this one, but like, I, I really 
like Dr. Squatch soap, if for like no other reason that I'm tickled that like I just have no heuristic for how much soap is supposed to cost. And so $7 for soap seems reasonable. But like then when you start to look at it against those other competitors, you're like, holy crap, the margins on this must be phenomenal. And like that just makes me want to buy it more because, you know, the, the marketing's good. They seem to, you know, you know, and clearly Amazon's figured out I like it. Um, and uh, by the I, way, if any if any brand were a human, like if you could personify a brand, yeah. like you are your squatch. Like okay, is- I, I, I can't tell if that's an insult or a compliment, but I'll take it as a compliment. And uh, it's a compliment, yeah. I think they it's I'm surprised it took you this long to find it. Yeah, well, I dig it, I dig it. And um, the other one, kind of a shout out, I, I, I met this guy last week, um, and I haven't had a chance to try a lot of it, but um, this. Um, St. Cloud Bourbon, where oh. are you familiar with this, Nate? I've been following that for a while. I'd love to meet him. Uh, I think I might get involved because I, you know, you know, all, you know, only African American winemaker in Bordeaux ever. You know, you know, you know, incredibly focused on product. Absolutely gorgeous packaging, and this is just one of those things where, like, because of you know the super clubby aspect around you know access to aged bourbon. This is the kind of stuff that's in our wheelhouse. And like, I just can't get the packaging's amazing. Um, and then, you know, I've been following them on Instagram for a couple of years. Huge fan. Yeah. Um, so if we want to talk about that offline, Nate, you know, I'm, I'm going to, he's actually based just over, over in East Bay. I'm going to go have some conversations because, you know, there's just a couple of things that I think that we could do that could just put this thing on steroids. What's the, uh, like, what's the little figurine or logo? Because I see, like, on the top of the bottle. Yeah, so um, it's like, a, I, my first guess is it's like the winged god Mercury, um, you know, but but I, I haven't dug enough in, into the about in the story or talked to Ray to understand really what's going on there, but I look forward to it. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, Nate, other than that, Bourbon, any, any other products that kind of came to mind after we gave you a little bit of time here? I was out of town last week, so I didn't. Uh, and it's Passover, so um, my exposure to brands right now is the fact that gluten-free matzah is much better than regular matzah. <laughs> uh, Thirty-two years to thirty-five years to figure out. Um, well, then that reminds me of one of my favorite brands, Matzah Project. That like uh, I love everything that they do. Um, like that's like one of a great OG New York brand for sure. Well, Did over, you over, tell us about them last year? I feel like you talked about them at some point. Maybe, but yeah, I, they're, just, they're, just, they're so good. Like it's over Passover, I learned that Coke makes real sugar Coke in plastic bottles with yellow tops, um, as opposed to the really expensive real sugar Coke in the glass bottles, like the Mexican Coke. And it's and it's I, I guess you know, someone who knows more than I do about dietary restrictions during Passover has got to do with the, the corn syrup um, that goes into it. So. I, I feel like I should go out and start hoarding some yellow topped Cokes because it would definitely taste better. Yeah, it's probably smart. Nate, obviously like a lot of our audience is, is brands. And so anytime we have an investor, we like to kind of touch on this topic, but what's kind of your thoughts on like the current state um, of kind of brands going out and looking to fundraise right now? Obviously there seems like there's quite a bit of doom and gloom um, out there, especially for like kind of seed stage brands, but what's your feelings and kind of thoughts on the landscape before we you know dive into topics? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily doom and gloom. Um, you know, you look back at the last decade and the strategics have just, you know, the threshold used to be 150 million, 
you know, when they would acquire and that it came earlier and earlier and earlier and it probably got down to 10, 20 million. Um, and now it's going the opposite way. Um, I think there are, you know, on one hand, the doom and gloom, I think there are a lot of brands that are in the 20 to $50 million of sales that have spent an arm and a leg to get there uh, that aren't making money. Uh, that the strategics aren't necessarily interested in buying and private equity isn't necessarily interested in buying. And so they're kind of like in this no man's land. Um, and so for years, there's been people talking about creating, you know, the next PNG, the next Unilever. And I think, you know, now actually might be the time to do it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I think, you know, which for me, it's never gone out, but uh, capital efficiency is in vogue again. And so the age old, you know, growth at all costs, I don't think uh, I've never really believed in. And so if you can uh, scale a brand, uh, you know, slowly and profitably, right? If it takes you five years to get to, you know, 8 million bucks and you do that profitably, I'd much rather see that than, you know, do it, you know, in three years and lose, you know, 5 million along the way. Right. Um, and so I think, how much you can achieve with every dollar is going to be, you know, the most important metric going forward. And are you seeing like a, a focus on that starting to reflect in people's decks? Are they spending more time on talking about like pathway to profitability and like kind of the, their current burn versus how it was like a year or two ago where the decks were more focused around growth? Or do you feel like people need to do a better job still telling that story? I don't think it's really um, hit people yet. Um, the founders yet. I think they're, you know, founders, entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they have this sort of tunnel vision of optimism, right? And, um, you know, until they get told no, you know, it only takes one yes, right, for an entrepreneur to realize or think that they're on the right path, right? And there are so many sources of capital, whether it's family offices, individuals, angels, funds, you name it. Um, but the problem is that, um, you know, so much, there's been a lot of tourist investors, as I call them in this category over the past, you know, three to five years, uh, frankly, investing at valuations that simply the companies will fail because of the valuations. Right. And I think that founders have to be realistic and smart about who they're taking money from, right? And just because someone, an angel, will give them money at a much higher valuation doesn't necessarily mean that's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. Because valuations often will, um, you know, I know a company that, I probably mentioned this before, company has a recipe and they're calling it a food tech company. It's not a food tech company. They have a recipe. And they raise money at a $170 million valuation of a million dollars of sales. Um, and that valuation will cause the company to fail. Like I have no doubt in my mind because no one's going to want to invest, you know, a down round in a company, um, yeah. really doesn't have that much proprietary IP. Yeah. I like to, I like the term, like the tourist investor. Cause I also feel like it was a big, big scene for tourists, like founders, where it was like a lot of like, uh, grad student, like MBA student, like, uh, who just like realized like, oh, we can make X of X. And this is a gray space that we can go after. Didn't necessarily understand, like, you know, it's it's a lot more than pattern finding um, this game. And so 
uh yeah i like that term and and definitely agree um cj you okay after you heard the the 170 on uh, a million i i saw your your face visibly <laughs> get upset on that valuation <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's dive into the um, the topics for today. So uh, a brand focus, P-H-O-C-U-S, um, recently rebranded, refreshed, um, and kind of changed their entire um, retail strategy. And it was with uh, bringing Jack Harlow on as a co-owner. If you look at the old branding, I think a lot of people saw this brand pop up on Twitter, saw it pop up on LinkedIn, and it was kind of getting positioned as a new brand launch, but I think a lot of us had realized like we had seen this brand out in the market before. Much, much, much different packaging. I actually don't love the new packaging very much. It doesn't really tell you a lot about what the actual product is, but it's it's a 180 from what was out currently in the market. And I, you know, Nate, we can start you as was as our guest. Like I'm I just kind of wanted to talk to everybody about like what's the thoughts here about taking an existing brand totally updating it and bringing in a potential um, celebrity because uh, we talk about celebrity brands a ton, but I don't think we've necessarily talked about it from a standpoint of like, okay, the brand was kind of teetering. Let's refresh, find a new face for it, and then kind of relaunch into the market. You know, what's your thoughts on this? And, and would you judge the performance based on what they had in the market as the old brand? Or would you just wait to see kind of like what new metrics are under this new brand performance? We're talking about focus, right? Correct. Yeah. It's a cap. Um, I think there are certain categories that, you know, even if you put the Kardashians, right, or, you know, the most famous person in the world, and it's shameful that I'm saying that, um, on it, you know, I think there are categories that, you know, I could be wrong, but I just frankly don't believe in. Right. And I think that a lot of these highly functional, like people drink products because they taste good, right? Because they're fulfilling a certain need. And a lot of these really highly functional sort of um, niche products, I don't know if they can become, you know, $50 million plus brands, which in beverage you kind of need to be a successful company. And uh, CJ, I don't know if you believe or Taylor, Taylor sort of share those those views on the scale yeah absolutely uh, and, and it's like especially on the the functional side like i i think you can get a very false signal very quickly on the functional side where you quickly saturate the cohort for whom your product is exactly what they're looking for um and they were and they were seeking it out and mistake that for like like a larger addressable market on focus specifically. Um, I, I don't think that they're, I wouldn't necessarily put them in that functional bucket. Like they, uh, you know, they, they've cleaned that up even more with the rebrand. Um, you know, the entire thesis basically just seems to be where we have less caffeine than, you know, monster rock star bag. And, and and Celsius, um, so I I to to like oftentimes saying we have more of something or less of something as like a long term potent differentiator isn't the greatest in the world. Um, you know, there there I think a lot of the a lot of the energy drinks have have kind of coalesced around that you know hundred you know two hundred to three hundred milligrams of caffeine for a reason because it has a very clear and very fast physiological effect. Um, 
and that's what that consumer is you know to the tunes of billions of dollars of sales a year is looking for um so i i don't know functionally whether or not this beverage is is in a unique space i, I remember talking to them at bevnet probably two years ago and this is when the old ceo was there todd creek they, they brought a new guy over from from bang energy i think i think it was the svp over there um i i as far as celebrity launches i mean i've talked about that ad nauseum here like it seems to work best when the celebrity is very committed, when there's also a very good operational team attached to them. And the part that most people miss is when there's also a really, really committed large retailer um, that is that is going to give it as much, you know, consumer facing as necessary. So I, I until I until I hear that Walmart or Target or you know maybe one of the other conventional groceries or 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 convenience stores is also completely bought into this i wouldn't get too excited about it i mean it's on a the functional, of, on the functional uh, side to add you know I, th I think the people drink or or eat products um because they taste good first and foremost and the function has to be like this also kicker right and obviously i look to olipop because they are our portfolio people drink olipop because it's a great tasting beverage right because it tastes and fulfills that need of a soda Oh, by the way, it also happens to have fiber and sort of be good for you and have prebiotics. But, you know, 99% of people are probably drinking it because it's fulfilling that need of, hey, this this tastes like soda, right? Yeah, I, I just thought like, honestly, like the packaging was kind of a crazy play. Like it, it I mean, it doesn't say what it is like <laughs> anywhere on the packaging, which is like very like ostentatious. But yeah, I, I just like, you're really hoping that, I mean, like, we talked about like the fastest growing beverage of the last year. I mean, like even prime, like tell like, great. They have like really strong, like um, celebrities behind them. They're generating a ton of content, but like, at least it tells you the product, what the product is. And you understand what the functionality of that product is right off the bat, given where it's merchandise. I mean, this is just the logo, a signature, a little side, like um, panel for like what the flavor is. And then it just says zero sugar on the back. I mean, like you could buy this product and not know exactly like what it is and what the functionality is. So I'm just kind of surprised on like the direction they took there. Um, I think like the product and and like the person like uh, behind it, like it seems like a good fit, but like packaging and then this slogan of like the remedy for writer's block, which is like five or six different places on their site. Like that is a very like niche like value proposition to have like plastered all over the website and so i was just i was very surprised and like that was the angle that they were going with this for sure uh taylor how about you yeah i i, I mean i agree with what everyone said i think like at the end of the day like i'm i'm also not a huge fan of like we have less than less of this more of like it honestly it's going to get lost it always gets lost i agree with what nate and cj said which is just like at the end of the day they have to like the flavor of the product i agree on like finding a notable partner also just to me like the announcement itself i'm just rereading it like it's like fairly confusing <laughs> like if you read reread re it like i'm looking at the one that we sent through on bevna it's just like we're not we're not clear-cut focused but we're focused but we're thinking this but we're gonna pull this but it has less of i'm like I'm just reading it from like even like industry perspective. I'm just like, this seems even a little bit too inside baseball. And then like think about like the general consumer to everyone's point. It's just like the product needs to taste good. The celebrity needs to be genuinely on board. They need to have good 
partnerships in place and then we'll see from there. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold. And also it's like very, like from rereading this, I'm just like, I'm even more confused as to like what the unique value proposition is. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I, we've talked about, about <laughs> a lot of celebrity brands like releases. This one seems kind of a little poorly handled um, from, from multiple angles, but um, was just more overall like intrigued on like this like standpoint of coming into an already existing item. I think we all agree like it can work, but it might just need to be in a more organized, uh, coherent kind of relaunch um, than this. Uh, let's dive into our second topic. Um, the Walmart-Amazon wars uh, continue. I thought this was a really interesting new feature that Walmart launched uh, that Amazon still hasn't launched that you would kind of assume that they would have been uh, first to market with this. But Walmart recently launched a new feature called Text to Shop. This allows shoppers to essentially text from their Android or Apple devices um, an item that they want to see on their grocery list, and it will automatically move that item to their cart for either delivery or pickup through walmart.com. Um, Amazon hasn't um, released a feature like this, even though like Alexa will help you create your shopping list. It doesn't actually put items into your shopping cart. Uh, we've been testing a ton of SMS stuff here uh, over at WeStock over the past few weeks, and it's been like really surprising the engagement level here. So I can imagine, you know, with a, the company with that big of a reach as a Walmart, just being able to text to add items to your grocery list um, is probably great for increasing basket size. And just wanted to get feedback kind of on, you know, what our thoughts were here and, and kind of have a leg up this might be for Walmart. So CJ, why don't we start with you on this topic? Um, I thought this was, I mean, like, there's an article they definitely kind of characterize the the moves back and forth like in in the same space like i, I want to know how text to shop is going to deal with with um substitutions and product outages like that that that, that to me seems to be like the, the the number one block from a behavior standpoint of all like all these things i think there's another article you want to talk about that you know that is pick up only grocery stores and if I, if I look at like Instagram instacart and pick up on the grocery stores and, and anything that is not physically shopping inside the store like the main behavior you're dealing with is how is the consumer going to handle their being an out of stock and like and and Amazon is particularly well designed to handle that because like at the height of the we can get it to you in 30 minutes they said no we're gonna work on getting you Five million products within five hours. Um, so you just like you just don't have an out of stock problem with Amazon, and they, and, they, and they figured out really quickly that that's the defining behavioral feature. If you're in a store shopping and they're out of the toothpaste, you want for some reason you don't really throw a fit, you don't demand a refund and all kinds of things. It doesn't slow down a UI interface, but people have been trained to to expect their tech to work. So, you know, I, I think text interface is wonderful. It's been a it's been a promise for a lot of industries for a long time, if you can fix the out-of-stock issue. Because um, people just seem to have a different expectation when they're using a tech UI to buy a product and they get upset when it's told that they don't have the thing they want. You know, in a way they do not get in store. This you're is terrifying to me. You know, I, not, almost from like a joking point of view, but, um, you know, these companies are just making it easier and easier to spend money, right? And so I just think of like, you know, my kids who are not even three and one, like when they have um, 
phones 15 years from now, hopefully, right? Like they're just going to tech and, you know, one day a car is going to show up on my driveway that, you know, $25,000 later. <laughs> like, you're Sorry, gonna I don't know why I thought that. You're going to have like, or, you know, my wife's just going to have an easier time to, you know, buy clothes or whatever, or, you know, a kid's going to order a book and there's the book's going to be out of stock and, you know, 50 shades of gray is going to show up, right? Like there's going to be bad sort of, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how this, where this goes. Um, it's certainly to your point, CJ, that the out of stock issue, I think is, is the big hurdle there. I, I get, I think it's super interesting because like, I just keep going to like, um, retail media and just like how big that's been and just how much revenue Walmart's dropping, driving off of just retail media spend. And now you're basically saying, hey, listen, we can attack all these customers via SMS, right? So if your product launches, if it's on promotion, like you can pay us and we'll drive the customers to our SMS program to let them know. And so to me, it just becomes another line item, like on the brand side of things that you're most likely going to be paying for to get to that Walmart customer and that Walmart shopper. Um, and in just having that full autonomy as like Walmart to be able to reach your customer in a variety of different ways to push them. I mean... It just, again, like it makes them like a really, really strong media and marketing platform to their end consumer base than just a brick and mortar retailer. And so um, I think that's really interesting on how they're going to play on that end. Um, because like once you own that customer, I mean, and I, I don't love the tech stuff that's coming out because like my, my text messages look like my inbox now. <laughs> it's becoming very difficult to manage. Um, but I do think this is a cool feature. And I was surprised that Amazon kind of wasn't first to market here because I think we were promised with Alexa and everything that you were going to be able to build out that customer list. All the stuff was going to automatically show up. Like you were going to be able to say what recipe you were going to want and it would create your your list from that. And it seems like Walmart's moving at a nice faster speed than that. But I do agree, like some of the out of stock issues and things like that, yeah. you know, I prohibit this, but uh, very interesting to see um, it kind of be built out like this. Taylor, are you, sorry. One thing I did think that was kind of buried in the article that was like kind of non a non sequitur, but interesting was Walmart's was like, hey, we're gonna put new and it sounded like quite a bit electric vehicle fast charging stations, you know, because you know their their quote ninety percent of Americans live within ten miles of a of a Walmart or Sam's Club, like that's a really interesting way to like. You know, again, going back to behavior change, you know, aside from all this grocery pickup stuff, you can basically get someone to plan their week around going to a wall, you know, you know, you know, you know I'm going to go, I'm going to charge my electric vehicle, I'm going to be in the store for 30 minutes, so I'm going to have, you know, do some shopping, browse the aisles, do some impulse purchasing, maybe have a meal. Um, that's interesting. Well, it's what we talked about all the time, right? It's like, who's going to win becoming the third place, right? Outside of like, you know, out of like post COVID, right? It, it was like the coffee places, like what is like going to be that next place since it's going to need to replace the office, right? So like in grocery stores, we're making really a strong attempt to do that uh, by like adding, like we've talked about, like adding breweries or adding like event spaces and things like that. Oh, like, yeah. um, adding charging stations, like making it a destination and then taking that, 30 or $40, you usually spend somewhere else and, and spending it there. Um, yeah, I, I think- went, I went to, speaking of third place, I went to a spot in Arizona a few weeks ago that was amazing. It was a place called Trevor's and it was a liquor store, restaurant, um, golf simulator hybrid. 
and I could go and spend all day in this place and like be lost there for 12 hours. It was amazing. Very cool. Yeah, Walmart's closed except for the golf simulator. I feel like they've, they're checking off a lot of the boxes. Uh, Taylor, uh, are you texting your, your shopping list anytime soon or, or no? <laughs> well, uh, without having SMS subscriptions to anything, I am 566 sex messages behind. So, yeah, whenever you so you post those shots <laughs> of your phone, I get like I get an anxiety attack just looking. At <laughs> I uh, so to answer your question of first, I don't make shopping lists. What a shocker! And then second is um. So I agree. That I think it's really creepy and scary that like I think you could just so seamlessly yeah use these functions whether you're you know of the you know age to do so and, and, and many other factors but i would say you know what i was thinking as you guys were talking was like i what i think would be more beneficial is i guess from a consumer perspective is like there are things that i purchase you know on a recurring basis and i know that like you could set it up on amazon to do like you know recurring subscriptions for different things um whether it's like, oh yeah, one time, or I think you can save a little bit usually on like Amazon if you have some recurring subscription. Like that would be really beneficial if like I get text messages from Walmart and they're like, hey, like you got dog food, like, and then they know I don't have to even put anything in and like it's smart enough to be like, okay, in about a month, they're going to need another bag of that, like text yes to have it sent. I would do that with everything in my life. Like even my now wildly overpriced Listerine strips, which guys now, the spray has gone up to $9. I can't afford it anymore. But like, they know that it, this is unacceptable. But like, for things that like, for things like that, I think if Walmart could like look at, you know, buying behaviors and repeat purchases of things, I think that would be a, honestly like a, a really great use of a text and I would do it. I do, I'm very quick to, to make those types of decisions for things that I've already bought and need to buy again. So. My thought is, is like absolutely not signing up for anything else because I'm in a very large hole that I don't know how to get out of already without being part of any of those things. But I, I would say if there was a text option, I would actually sign up for that for, for platforms that I use to buy things on a recurring basis. And I could just push yes and have it sent. I would do that today. Very cool. Yeah, I I agree. There's like a lot of lawyers that they can take this, um, but it's it's. Uh, I was just kind of surprised that Walmart seems to be moving a little bit quicker on it than Amazon. Um, in terms of um, kind of staying in the same arena, uh, a company called Jackby uh, just raised eleven and a half million dollars in new funding, and it's a pickup only grocery. It's actually a drive-through grocery, which I've definitely never been to. Uh, anything quite like that. I know pickup in store or, you know, pickup curbside has been really popular, but this is a company that does only that. Um, they have two locations, so it's still relatively early. Um, but I just thought it was a super interesting concept. Obviously it's, it's a concept kind of coming out of, uh, with COVID era. Um, and my first thought was like 11 and a half million for like an actual physical retail space. Doesn't seem like it's going to allow you to open up a ton of new spaces. So, uh, I'm just kind of interested to see how they deploy that, but also just like oh. the benefit of pickup groceries, because I think some of the data is also showing like customers are wanting to go back in store and have that in-store experience. And so maybe the timing of this just isn't right. But Taylor, did you want to jump in? I heard you kind of talk really quick. Oh, no, that wasn't me. Go. I, oh. I'll, I need a <laughs> Nate, few minutes. So, yeah, I need a second to think about it. Called? it. Yeah. So it's called Jack B. Uh, J J A C J A C K B E. Um, and so it, it actually just launched in Oklahoma City. 
uh, earlier this year uh, with our first location. Um, CJ, you want to kind of take it? I think I have a whole lot more to add than if you're doing pickup only or or drive through. Your 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 biggest issue is going to be out of stocks and substitutions. Um, so they, they they apparently Jack B has a feature that has a guarantee that orders will not contain any product substitutions. So either they've got Amazon level predictive capabilities, or you just don't get half the shit you ordered. Like, and I'm going to go ahead and guess it's the latter. Um, so, so I, uh, I'm not too enthused. You're not rushing. I think the, the other interesting thing to think about with, uh, both online grocery and pickup only, um, there are hundreds, if not thousands of products throughout the world and throughout the U S let's stay here that rely so much on impulse purchases, right? And, you know, with pickup only grocery or delivery grocery, you essentially, you lose that, right? And so now I don't think grocery will ever move to 100% pickup only, but like there's entire categories, you know, you look at gum and candy, right? And I would bet that at least a third of their sales come from, you know, impulse purchases, right? In, in the cashier. Snacks in general. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's just a huge thing that disappears when you move to those models. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's almost why it's the same thing for, for Bev Alp too. You know, you have a lot of, I'm going to, you know, especially when you're doing with the dedicated liquor stores, when you get some trial and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's why Drizzly, only works for a product if you have like 80% ACV. Um, because once you have 80% ACV, you tend to be in someone's mind. And when they need it at that moment, they're fine having it delivered and, and the, the basket average order value, like basket size and develops gonna gonna always be able to make that delivery pretty profitable for everyone in the chain. Um, but otherwise like, like you know that's why that's why Dash Mart's always been kind of fascinating to me is it's almost like they built the driver network first and then they built the dash marts and that and that and you know, you can almost bring impulse purchase back through that um you know, you know I, i'm hungry i would have gone to the bodega and done an impulse purchase now the bodega is the dash mart but they had to build the driver network to be able to make that work that ecosystem work and build that first yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, I definitely agree. Um, Taylor, um, any thoughts on um, this kind of retail format? Not really. No, I, I <laughs> kind of agree with everyone. I, mean, I don't have anything else to add that's prolific. So there we go. Um, all right, cool. So last topic, I just thought this was kind of fun. Um, and like, again, we've talked about a few collaborations in the past. Like I think about like uh, Sanzo and a few movies that they've done before, but I really liked the Truff like limited series they did for the new Super Mario Brothers. Um, like obviously like Toad and like Mushrooms, like it all kind of ties in together, but the packaging is like very slick. I think it helps that the animation is super slick on the movie, but like the product uh, looks great. And I think anytime you can do one of these limited releases and just alter the packaging and not the product, it's like a very big win for the brand. Uh, but it seems like Truff, like with the ranch hot sauce that they recently done and other things like that, like they're just killing these partnerships uh, in a way that I just think other brands aren't. Uh, but Truff, Nate, is the, Truff is the supreme of CPG. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Done a great job. I mean, like, 
Um, and this, this is like, again, just kind of like, um, falling in line with everything else that they've done, but Nate, obviously you invest in a lot of, um, brands. Like when do you see like your brands do like, you have any other brands kind of in your portfolio that do a really nice job with their licensing agreements or these types of partnerships to take advantage of kind of pop culture moments for their brand? You know, it's interesting. Alipop did a really interesting one with Minions. Uh, yeah. And then there's the banana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super flavor. cool. Um, and it's not my favorite. I'll be the first to admit that. But they had such this this cult of fans that loved the product so much that it became a full-time flavor. Uh, and I don't think that was at all the plan when they sold it. Uh and these cans actually like people are collecting these cans on eBay. They're going for like 30, 40 bucks a can. Um, but I think there are, you know, these limited drops. It, I think it first hit in clothing. Right. Um, but they're, you know, you see it where limited, you know, they're not, they're not limited anymore. These limited drops are like the mainstream. Right. And so, you know, one of our portfolio companies, GoNanas, it's an upstart banana bread mix company. They do a limited drop every single month and it sells out, you know, every single time. Um, and there are companies that just do seasonal releases and, you know, once a month. But um, I think limited drops are becoming this mainstream strategy for um, all of CPG. And it's not, it's the norm these days. Yeah, I think it's a really good retention like process. I think it's a great way to get them back in shopping. I think it's a great way to like an add on to their current subscription. I think it's a great way to test new items into the market uh, without necessarily being beholden to pushing them out to full scale in production, like like the banana flavored Olipop example. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel like clothing, I mean, like my family's all in like ready to wear a backpack. So it's like, they used to like make like for every Indiana Jones movie or a Disney movie, like it used to be, like new backpack coming out. So it's very cool to see that kind of in CPG space now. Is that why you have a Furby backpack? <laughs> that is why. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's cool to see it kind of take place in, in CPG, um, and, and really like happen to brands that aren't necessarily, I mean, Truff is a, is a monster, but like you see for some other brands that necessarily aren't necessarily a hundred million dollar plus brands, but like they're more emerging CPG brands taking place with that. Think about it. Like this has been happening in CPG for more than 50 years. Like Kellogg's, the Olympian, you know, the athletes on the cereal boxes, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's just becoming, I don't know if the word is more mainstream or like more limited and less like promotional um well i think i think the, i think the bigger brands like the bigger company like the like actual like ips like disney or star wars or whatever are becoming like open to working with non-unilever nestle like major um cpg brands um which i think is reflective on like what the consumer is demanding right and it's just and at the end of the day it's it's why you and cj are investing in emerging brands and we're seeing the growth there right so Obviously, I feel like that that's a real confirmation too to like how much space emerging is like eating into like incumbents is the fact that these like larger companies with like all these like legacy IPs are are starting to work with more upstart CPG brands for these launches. CJ, any uh, last thoughts on this? I think it's cool. Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I can't believe that Super Mario Brothers set the record. For um, animated worldwide um, opening weekend that, that I, I I didn't realize that it was that popular. 
Um, but I thought that was that that was pretty 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 rad. I was pretty surprised. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's got pretty mixed reviews, but it's still I think at the end of the day, like uh, there'll be multiple more uh, sequels coming out after those results. Yeah, I mean we're we're probably guaranteed at least two more, right? Like even if even if the next one doesn't do as well, they'll they'll they'll. they'll <laughs> Uh, Taylor, I loved it. Like, again, with your thoughts, like, obviously you work with a ton of brands. Like, do you see them like creatively looking for these type of outlets or partnerships, like um, proactively, or is it more like, um, you know, if it comes to them, like, great. I think it's a mix. I mean, I try to push a lot of these brands to like, think about strategic partnerships a lot more often than they probably would. Um, for me, I think it's also like, I wouldn't say low-hanging fruit, but like I have brands that are like, let's say in Target, um, thinking about like how to penetrate even like pre-existing partnerships more. A lot of times people are just like, okay, I'm doing X with this partner. I'm just using that as an example, not as much on like the cultural heat moment side things, but just like even partnerships across the board. Like I think a lot of times, a lot of these founders, because there's so many moving parts going on, they kind of think it was like, check the box. Like this is done. Or we're working with JetBlue or we're doing this with it. It's like, there's so many additional ways in my opinion to like infiltrate within these organizations to like create even more robust pre-existing partnerships so one is like looking at like who are the partners of these companies on like a regional and national basis and like how do you amplify what's already in place in ways that potentially they haven't even thought about right like reaching out to different departments or even just like having check-ins on a quarterly basis with these partners to like see other ways to collaborate and then outside of like pre-existing partnerships, yeah, I mean, I, I I talk with them all the time about this. I mean, I think it's it's a no-brainer in my mind. I mean, like a lot of these, even if you're not talking about a trough, like there are companies that are synergistic to a lot of these businesses that I think both parties would benefit um, from the ability to, you know, cross-collaborate on these different things. And when it comes to like these drops, I agree with what everyone has said. And I'll say also like, you know, right now, putting all their eggs in a basket of innovating and creating new products in a market where it's already a little murky, I think is, is a big risk for the most part. If you're an independent company, like trying new products is expensive and it's time consuming and, you know, costly, whatever. So I think like doing these partnerships or like limited time drops, I think to everyone's point, is just like a great way of, you know, testing the water, see what sticks. And like, like Nate said, like things end up becoming part of the, you know, part of portfolios, but it, it just gives them, it mitigates a little bit of the risk, especially when you think about if you do a partnership, like to your point, Cam, where you don't have to even create new product, like you just slap a new label or add a hang tag or stuff like that. Like, you know, great exposure. And then, you know, just added, you know, eyeballs added share of conversation and so i don't really see any downside in like strategic collaborations like this and also in you know limited time drops that especially don't add too much you know from a cost time perspective that potentially can add you know additional repeat customers or new demographic of people to try your product and so i think it's all a win-win i think it's great I agree wholeheartedly, and I think that that is a good place to end the, today's podcast. Nate, we really appreciate you hopping on. Um, the Bears still suck, and I look forward to seeing you at uh, the next trade show. We have to make a Bears-Packers bet. <laughs> does, the, does the Packers' ownership of the Bears transfer with Rodgers, do we think? Like, will the no, Jets no, no, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a quick process. It just transfers over to Jordan. It's a very okay. 
Oh, very... is, is that why is that why your lighting is so bad? Are you trying to do the darkness retreat? <laughs> I'm actually at my in-laws, so I'm in like the upstairs. That's why I'm like I, I like Jimmy this like thing as a standing desk, but I am not a standing desk person because I've just been like bobbing around for like an hour. If anyone has like seen, I I need a seat. So this is not not the right setup for me. But yeah, we'll we'll come up with a bet, Nate. Uh we'll figure it out for the season. Uh, CJ Taylor, uh, great to see you as always. And we will be back with another great episode next week.